You are listening to the SLT Podcast, a resource to encourage and equip Liberty Christian School families for a Christ-centered life. Well, Liberty families, welcome back to the SLT Podcast. We're so excited that you are joining us today. Uh, We have a interesting topic that we are really excited to talk about um, called a culture of inquiry. Uh, and before we do that, uh, it's been really fun to be up here at Liberty the last couple weeks because uh, football and volleyball are in full swing. Playoffs are on the horizon. And it's been really cool to see our students uh, here on campus and at the games getting really into um, all of the events and supporting their friends. And so one of the examples is it's awesome to go to the football games right now and see students dressed out in themes uh, each time. And man, they're really in the games yelling, cheering on their friends that are playing on the field or, or they're cheering uh, along the sidelines. And so it's just been really cool to see that. And it's, it's a strange thing for me because I went to a high school uh, that the school spirit was very low. Mm-hmm. And so um, people didn't really yell a lot at games in student sections. It was mainly just people talking to their friends, not really caring or really cheering. And that was all of the sports across the board. I feel like there was kind of a culture of meh. I don't meh. I don't know. I'm just not very interested. We were actually pretty decent. Yeah. And it was hard because like whenever I became a junior, we went from three A to four A and then we got destroyed in everything. And so that was a really rough transition. So maybe that played into it. Uh, But really the first time that I really saw a lot of school spirit uh, was when I went to college, uh, when I went to A&M and it probably went along the pendulum on the completely opposite side. Yeah. Yeah, It's like, we don't care about anything about our school really to our school is everything. And you'll drink this Kool-Aid, no questions, which it tastes delicious by the way. (laughs) And so, but I wanted to ask you guys, just because we're surrounded by kids all the time right now, they're kind of dressed up for uh, whether it's homecoming or senior night or just enjoying uh, cheering their friends on. What was y'all school's experience like? Like, um, as far as like school spirit goes. So I was the mascot in my high school, my senior year. So I was bursting with school spirit for the purple Pascal Panthers. <laughs> oh, wow. That's alliteration. That's awesome. It is. And it was literally awful. Oh, my goodness. Because <laughs> the only reason that I was accepted as the mascot is because me and my buddy looked at each other when they announced mascot traps <laughs> and said, hey, it would be funny if we tried out. And we were the only two upperclassmen to try out. And so we became the two mascots. <laughs> were you prepared for that? Like, were you prepared to actually get it? As long as the joke was funny, I kept going. Okay. And so it was funny that we became the mascots because we did not care. We did not care at all. And there's probably lots of photo evidence of us on the sidelines. Just, uh, I know for me, uh, you could always find me just standing on the sideline with the head tilted back, standing still, not doing any mascotty things because you had to look through the mouth of the panther head to be able to see. And uh, I was just watching the football game. And they'd be like, hey, you should go into the like crowd. And I was like, and do what? They're like, I five five people. I was like, oh, yeah, I'm dressed as a panther. I was like, oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, I mean, we we had some fun. We did some mascot-y things. We got to do skits at our pep rallies as the mascots. Um, And looking back, they were all really cringy and awful. But I had a fun time doing them. That's awesome. And that's what matters. (laughs) Um, I think it's easier to have school spirit if you're good at stuff. And our school is not good at stuff. We would like storm the field if we won a game, any nice. game, any game. If we won a football game, they would storm the field like it was a playoff. <laughs> and, no, but sorry, Pascal. Well, sorry, PHS. Are they any good now? I don't know. <laughs> I don't keep up with that, man. No, I'm yeah, I'm in the alumni association. I'm actually a booster now. Um, I you know we had to upgrade the Panther costume and stuff to use real Panther fur. You know how expensive that is to import and dye purple. A 
lot. Yeah, it is a lot. But I have a lot of school spirit. <laughs> yes, I do. That's good. I've got spirit. I do have school spirit now that, you know, you ask, I ask myself. How about you? Um, <laughs> I, when uh, Taylor, you asked this question, what came to mind is um, probably my ultimate uh, display of school spirit was when I, my freshman year of high school, we were practicing after school in um, our gym and I over rotated on a full and uh, Everyone knows what that means, too. Oh, so, no, you just keep going. It's nice like, to like, call people fools. That's in the Bible. No. You shouldn't say that. <laughs> okay, I okay. over-rotated on a fool. <laughs> Courtney's hood. Yeah, I'm hood. I don't know what that means, but it sounds violent. That actually it does sound pretty legit. But no, on a full, F-U-L-L, <laughs> it is essentially a backflip with a twist. It's probably the easiest way to describe that. And I over-rotated, so I landed, but I continued to rotate. And I um, thought that I had just, like I felt, obviously I was in pain um, and some of the older uh, like football players had been there and they came over and they're like, okay, if you go see Doc, who was our, um, what are they called? Doctor. Trainer? Yes, so sorry. <laughs> they said, if you go see Doc, who was our athletic trainer, he tells everyone that they tore their ACL. So they were like, don't panic if he tells you that you tore your ACL. Like he tells everybody that, but you're fine. And so I was like, you're right. I probably just, you know, hyperextended my leg. Like, I don't know what happened, but this is fine. So I tried to walk it off and then cheered at the football game after that. And so I do remember we would, whenever we were watching the fields, we would kind of have to like twist to turn around and face the crowd. And I could not do that. So I would kind of like hobble, just kind of like walk, try and make it not look bad. But um, anyways, I went to see Doc the next day. He sure did tell me that I tore my ACL. Mm. Um, went and got an MRI, sure did tear that ACL and meniscus and had to get surgery. And so I feel as though that is a great display. Wait, so you tore your ACL, MCL and still cheered that night? ACL, yeah, I'm meniscus, and then um, had to, st and, well, yeah, I chose to still cheer at the game, but I just was like, I just need to walk it off. I'm sure it's fine. Um, did so. they win that football game? We did win that football there game. There we go. I have another story of us losing to Nolan Catholic, zero to 60, and I may or may not have bought a Nolan Catholic sweatshirt because their store was like on the field. I thought that was so cool, and now my friends still don't let me let that down. But so. did tearing your ACL give you cankles? Okay. <laughs> It it's a fair not. question. It's a fair question. <laughs> these are the hard-hitting questions that everyone else is afraid to ask. People are always going to be like, paying to we'll ask Doc. these days, you know? <laughs> yeah, we'll find Doc. <laughs> well, I don't know how to transition that, so what's the problem? <laughs> <laughs> well, if you're questioning why we had that as our question, then you are on the right podcast today. Sam is... It's a stretch, but okay. It's a stretch. Courtney probably should have stretched before she cheered or she went into oh, a ACL. that's good. Now that's you're, good. Connecting oh. to things that aren't the topic, but okay. Well, you know what wasn't <laughs> connecting? Her ACL. Oh, also good. Uh, I think that that's a great way to intro into our topic today because this really is a really big challenge uh, for Christian schools of sending your child to a school where Christ is proclaimed from really young until they graduate and even growing up in church, you know, uh, in our church, questions weren't really appreciated uh, mm -hmm. by our Sunday school teachers or they would throw us off topic or there were things that we were just said that, hey, don't worry about that mm -hmm. uh, type of deal. And so we never want our thing here at Liberty Christian School for a student uh, who does 
does have questions and genuine concerns and doubts uh, to wrestle through those by himself or herself and not feel comfortable enough to ask a teacher or to ask someone here on staff about those questions. Um, And we want to be able to come alongside them and walk through that and also walk alongside parents who might not know the answer to these questions either. And the great thing is that we don't have to have all of the answers uh, and we can seek those out together uh, for our students and for ourselves. And so what we don't want is for questioning uh, our faith or having questions about God in general uh, to lead to an automatic assumption that that's a bad thing and that is sinful and that we should never doubt um, or have any questions about our faith. And so we want to just put that on the table of this dance that we have uh, here in the SLT, uh, that we want our kids to be able to be mm-hmm. open with their questions and feel comfortable asking them. Absolutely. And I think even this cultural moment that we're in right now, it's crucial more than ever because there is so much opportunity to be swayed by false information and false teaching. And one of the things that we are seeing is that we are kind of shifting from this information revolution. And in 2007 is really the year that changed everything when we got introduced to the iPhone and Android. And now we have really everything at our fingertips through the internet. And one of the consequences that we've seen from that is that this information age makes accessible just multiple point of views that are surrounding us every single day. So, you know, it's said often that everything has an agenda and um, we're being persuaded to believe something with everything that we're seeing. And so that's constantly happening. And we talk often about in Ecclesiastes how Solomon says that nothing is new under the sun. And that is true. So we don't have to be fearful of the things that are happening in our world because nothing is new under the sun. But with the information age, everything old is now available at the same time. And so it just is so much more, honestly, of an attack on our students and even being an adult in this world is that we have so many more opposing views that we're hearing about constantly. And so we really want to help equip um, our families and to help even recognize how the school is stepping into this place of how can we show them where authority is found in God's word and in truth and who is the people that they can turn to when they have these questions to know, okay, these are the people I can trust. And so the questions our students are really asking and trying to figure out is who am I and who can I trust? Um, instead of wondering like, hey, do I trust my parents or teachers or maybe I should just Google it to find this. I think that whenever a student goes to an authority figure that they know in their life with a question and they're shot down um, of those things, then it leads to a lack of trust and they're going to go seek out those answers to their questions elsewhere. And so if they're not asking us those questions, and by us, I mean us as staff, uh, teachers, coaches, family, uh, then they're asking somebody else, which normally it's going to mean peer groups, people on social media, Googling things from opinions of people they don't know. And so they're, they're looking for answers. They're going to seek it out. Whether we're that person they go to or not, uh, they're going to seek it and they're going to find it. Uh, and the question is, what answers will they find? And will that align with what the Lord says to be true? And so here's the, here's the hard thing is that with so much information readily available, you can kind of find evidences or arguments for really any side of uh, any questions that you might have. And so uh, T.S. Eliot says, where is the knowledge we've lost in information? Where is the wisdom that we've lost in knowledge? And Hmm. so, so many times uh, we just seek information for information's sake, and it's not actually leading to a knowledge or understanding or wisdom. Uh, Even the Bible says that there is knowledge that just leads to being puffed up. 
um, and arrogant. Mm-hmm. And so our kids and ourselves, we can quickly become arrogant towards people who haven't thought through these things or whatever, just so that we have information for information's sake. Another way that we've kind of talked about this with students is, and just teenagers, children at this time, is with all of this information that there's kind of a discernment deficiency. So they have all this information, but they don't necessarily know how to rightly discern and recognize what is it that's truth. And um, the Spiritual Life Team, our heart is really kind of modeled after Acts 17 for this with um, the Bereans that are mentioned. And in Acts 17, it says, um, as soon as it was night, the believers sent Paul and Silas away to Berea. On arriving there, they went to the Jewish synagogue. Now the Berean Jews were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. As a result, many of them believed, as did also a number of prominent Greek women and many Greek men. And I think this is just a beautiful picture of what we're hoping for our students, that um, they wouldn't necessarily take anything that anyone is saying necessarily as fact or as true, but we would able to teach them, hey, what does discernment look like? And how can we model this faith that the Bereans had of going and receiving the message with great eagerness? And then the next step is examining the scriptures every day to see if what was said to them was true, whether that's... um, at, at church, whether that's a message that they hear or something that they picked up on TikTok, whatever it may be, that they are turning back to scripture as the ultimate authority. And so we're excited to talk a little bit more about that of, hey, what does the Bible say about when we're questioning our faith or doubting or have hard questions? And then how can we as adults practically engage with children and with our students about these things um, in a way that helps them gain accurate and right discernment? And we here on the SLT podcast, we have the pleasure of being joined by Dr. Blair McCullough, who is a president of Liberty Christian School, uh, who has some thoughts to weigh in on this subject as we're talking about uh, wrestling with our faith and having questions and doubts and creating a culture uh, where this is seen as being valued, uh, that we can step into the lives of our students with these things. And so Blair, we know uh, that with the Flourishing School model, uh, one of the main initiatives we have focused on is this idea of having a culture of inquiry. And recently you had the opportunity to meet with other head of schools. What were some of the main takeaways from those conversations? Absolutely. Well, first of all, thank you for having me on the show. It's always good to be with you guys. Love our team. Um, It's always so interesting to see God's timing on these things, isn't it? As you guys are discussing it. And obviously it's part of the flourishing schools model, but um, I just think it's amazing how while you guys are talking at the same time, I'm having conversations with other heads of schools around mm-hmm. the same topic. And we and had no idea. Yeah, that this, this was, was going yeah, on. This was not planned. Actually, no. I didn't even know I was going to be on the podcast. I just walked in the room. <laughs> just kidding. But it's um, it, it's awesome to see when the Lord's doing something clearly. We all mm-hmm. um, can see that. And and really, for, for um, my conversations, I have the opportunity once a month to get on a call with heads of schools from around the United States. And it's uh, sponsored through the Association of Christian Schools International, and it's all around the flourishing schools model. Mm -hmm. And so our current topic is this questioning topic. And I was able to facilitate a group last week over this topic. And the three key questions that we were um, talking around were, how should we handle student doubts and questions effectively in our schools? And two, how have we prepared teachers to set the tone for students to feel safe throughout the school to ask questions about their faith? And finally, considering the overall spiritual formation culture of our schools, what nuances are most important to collaborate around today? And so I would say we would all agree those are key questions Mm -hmm. and would resonate with us 
um, as we look at our our campus life and our spiritual formation culture. Um, we've certainly talked about this for a few years mm-hmm. and the need to do that. Uh, part of the best part of the whole morning was we had a guest speaker um, from one of the other uh, schools and um, specializes in biblical worldview training for his campus. And he, he really spoke on this topic um, and had some great insights. And so I'd love to share, if it's okay with you guys, a few of the things that I gathered. Please from. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, please. You know, his, his first statement that um, I, I think I've even heard you guys share was that um, there, there's a very real danger when we um, dismiss student questioning, when we yeah. take the stance that we are the ultimate authorities or, or um, you know, possess all the knowledge or that we have it right. all right and they don't have the ability to question anything. Mm-hmm. And um, the, the speaker talked a lot around that and, and really brought up the point that in Scripture, it, you see it over and over again, that faith and doubt coexist. Mm-hmm. And so it's very scriptural biblical concept and so why shouldn't it be that for our students as well here at our school Um, students have questions but they also have a sense that sometimes they shouldn't ask those questions and so what we see is oftentimes students putting on a mask Mm -hmm. um, to try to make it appear that they've got it all going well and they're in a good good spot so how do we create a climate where students can ask questions um we talked about how we always need to provide opportunities for students to come and ask questions and protect them in that. And sometimes that looks like providing opportunities for one-on-one time Mm -hmm. where if they just want to, they don't, maybe they don't feel safe in front of their peers. So make sure there's opportunities where kids can come to you, uh, come to teachers and ask questions if they need to Um, anticipate what the major worldview questions might be in each area of the school. Mm -hmm. And boy, do we have a lot of worldview issues going on right now in society that we can all anticipate kids have questions about Mm -hmm. as they wrestle with their faith. And so we need to consider those ahead of time. Uh, Also uh, being able to differentiate the intent of the different questions that the individuals might have. Um, And and we've talked about this before too here at Liberty about the three different groups, the mockers, the skeptics, and the seekers. And you really have to kind of understand where the kids are coming from, where the mocker might be an individual who's very contentious about uh, about, uh, Christianity or their faith. And you have to engage them in that, but be willing to listen. Mm -hmm. And the skeptic who is just really stuck in a loop of constantly needing answers and just not sure. Mm -hmm. Um, And then in the seeker, someone who truly is seeking after following Jesus. And all three are important. We care about all three, but we have to approach all three in a different way different way also talked about ongoing faculty development which uh, when he talked about hey your campus ought to have some kind of plan for biblical worldview training and you ought to be engaging in that got a big smile on my face (laughs) because I'm we're absolutely doing that here at Liberty and uh, really you know this year is our first year in engaging in that and it's been a great start and so that was extremely encouraging Um, and just you know again just really meeting your students in the midst of their doubt um, They'll end if if we don't if we're closed off to questioning if we if we make our students feel like there's no place for it then what might happen is they end up with a borrowed faith mm-hmm. and they leave Liberty Christian and we feel like they're in a good place but they're really walking out on that borrowed faith whether mm-hmm. it's from their parents or Liberty Christian or a youth group whatever that's not truly allowing them to question these things and figure out um, why they believe what they believe. And so we, we want to avoid those things and really create that space. And so we're going we're gonna to be intentional about that moving forward, which is exciting. Yeah, that's awesome. So as we are 
implementing and thinking through how we can do this even better at Liberty Christian School. Uh, Dr. McCullough, what, what kind of encouragement would you say to our families and how uh, they can engage their kids on these type of things? Like what, what might be a word for them? Uh, maybe they're on a spectrum too of they're having the same questions or maybe they have all of the answers regardless of where they're at. Like what's something that you would hope for our families uh, to do during this culture of inquiry that we're trying to model here at the school? Well, I think first and foremost is um, just the understanding that it has to be a partnership, Mm -hmm. right? The best way for us to accomplish anything here at our school that we want to accomplish is a true partnership with our parents. And so um, don't be afraid to to reach out to the school and ask us questions about what we're talking about if you Mm -hmm. want to have those conversations with your kids. But I would say find time to sit down with them and ask them, Mm -hmm. what are you guys talking about in Bible class? What are um, some of the things that you are wrestling with personally? You know, that, that interaction with your children is so important and then partnering with us in that as well. But we want to take a little bit bigger role in that as a school in terms of offering parent seminars around these things. Mm -hmm. And that's a goal for us in the spring. We do uh, kind of a little preview. We do have some groups coming in to talk uh, to our campus and our parents about some of these things. And so that's, you know, part of that partnership um, and even partnering with the church. So I, I, again, asking questions, allowing your students, your, your children to ask questions, but having an open dialogue about it is really important. That takes intentionality and carving out time. Um, and then partnering with us, we're happy to partner and share what we, we talk about here at mm-hmm. school and Well, Dr. McCullough, we really appreciate your time. Uh, I know that you're really busy in helping manage a lot of what goes on here. And so we really value your perspective and kind of what's going on behind the scenes. And so uh, thank you again for your time. Absolutely. And thank you again for for allowing me to come on. And you guys are doing an awesome job. I just value uh, what you do every day so much. It's a huge part of our success. So thank you. Thank you. Also, I'll I'll give you money later for that comment. Appreciate (laughs) it. Okay, so knowing that a lot of our students have kind of struggled with this idea of, is it okay to doubt or is that sin? Like, is this something that I can lean into or is it something that I'm supposed to run away from? Um, What do you guys find in the Bible? Like, what does the Bible say about how do we approach this space of questioning the Lord in um, a way that our posture is right? Yeah, I think one thing that comes to mind is the scripture portion in Mark 9, 24. And in 924, this is a story about a man uh, who comes to Jesus uh, and essentially is asking uh, for him uh, to go and to help his son. Mm-hmm. Um, and he is really struggling in believing that Jesus will be able to accomplish this. Uh, and he says, hey, would you be able to heal my boy? He is possessed by the Spirit. If you can, can you please do that? And Jesus' response is, if you can. Like, what are you talking about? Like, everything is possible for those who believe. Um, And in this moment, uh, sometimes we can hear this verse and we can say, okay, so Jesus is saying, don't doubt, don't have any of these things. This is not an okay posture towards the Lord. Uh, But this boy's father in that moment uh, responds back to Jesus saying, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. Mm -hmm. And saying, God, I want to believe. I want to believe this is true. And I need your help in being able to do this. Mm -hmm. And so that's the kind of posture uh, that we are hoping and praying for our students that even in their unbelief and questions, that they would have a genuine desire to know God more. Because if we truly believe this is the biggest question they can ask is who is God who has he made me to be and what Mm -hmm. do I do with that Uh, then we want our kids to generally come to the Lord with their questions Um, even just as like I would hope as a father that my boys would come to me with genuine questions if they really had them that they wouldn't just tuck them away and so we see in there that the posture 
is I understand my questions and I know my doubts. God, please help me in this. And that's the, that's the approach that we would want our kids to have. Mm-hmm. And so I think that there's a clear indicator between this of a man who is wanting to believe Jesus to be able to do and accomplish the things that he said he can. Uh, and also, we also see other people where they're looking for miraculous signs. We see of the men who are mocking and, and beating Jesus even on the cross and even in beating him and saying, who's the one that hit you? Like they're mocking him of mm-hmm. asking of Jesus, right? And so we even see this within uh, different students and different people. And maybe we ourselves uh, were in these different camps as well before we came to put our faith in Christ. But we have a seeker who is genuinely um, wanting to know the truth and genuinely wrestling with understanding. Uh, we have those who are uh, mocking and they're really firm in their belief. And they're generally just questioning uh, because they want a challenge and they want you to answer this so they can try to prove you wrong. And mm-hmm. so we have these two really big different distinctions between a seeker wanting genuine information and a mocker believing they already know what's true and they're just trying to look to see if they can catch you in a, in a slip up. Mm-hmm. And so um, we're trying to pray for our students that we do have students in that category as well. And we're trying to lovingly engage them with the truth of the gospel uh, that will lead to an understanding of who God mm-hmm. genuinely is. I think one of the places that I like to camp out also is just in the Psalms. I think it's just such a clear indication that, hey, we see lots of Psalms, whether it's from David or other writers who have wrestled with serious doubts, but I think that they give us a picture of how to do that well. And one of the examples that I like of this is in Psalm 77, um, and the psalmist writes and asks these questions. He says, will the Lord reject forever? Will he never show his favor again? Has his unfailing love vanished forever? Has his promise failed for all time? Has God forgotten to be merciful? Has he in anger withheld his compassion? So these are pretty serious like questions and even borderline accusations of, hey, where is God? Where is he in these things? Um, has Where is his character? It's really doubting or questioning his character. But the example that we even see from the psalmist is what he does next is like, I think crucial is that he doesn't linger in this place for too long, but he is actually, again, like, like you were saying, Taylor, he is seeking. So he is seeking resolution and answers. And at the end of Psalm 77, we see him write, um, then I thought to this, I will appeal the years when the most high stretched out his right hand. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes. I will remember your miracles of long ago. I will consider all your works and meditate on all your mighty deeds. And so we see again, over and over throughout the Psalms that, um, even in the midst of having seasons of questioning the Lord and doubting his character or, um, where he is or his existence, even that it ends with remembering the faithfulness that he has done over years and in our own lives and that we have seen the work that he has done. And so I think that that's a really good model for us to see that there is doubting and questioning in scripture and that the Lord is not fearful of that or resistant to that, um, but that it should bring us to a place that we end up even closer to the Lord than we were before we were doubting or questioning him. So as we're thinking through how to engage these kind of conversations with our students here, even for our families and parents, we want to ask you guys a question too of how do you allow your children to wrestle with their faith or to come to you with questions? And do you think our lower school students are too young to have these kind of questions or engage in those type of conversations? Or when do these type of questions really start to begin for our students? Yeah, well, I think with younger kids, I mean, it starts as curiosity, right? It's sort of, they start with childlike faith to where they'll just believe anything that you tell them, whether it's true or not, which is why it's so important that we're good stewards of the truth. I tell my kids I'm good at basketball, so they believe me. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) They'll learn soon enough. 
well, you're better than me, so you are relatively good at basketball. (laughs) So I think that um, at some point it goes from childlike faith and then into curiosity, which is a healthy stage for kids. Um, And I think, unfortunately, when it can kind of evolve from that into maybe unhealthy doubts is when they're led by fear and they're afraid of asking the questions because they don't want to come off as looking wrong or that it's wrong to think this way. Um, So it's incredibly important that all of this is taught in humility. Like for kids, I love that it's just the the sense of curiosity about the mysteries of God. Most of their questions are typical ones that is humbling for me because no one really knows the answers to that. I mean, they ask questions about dinosaurs and like, did they die in the flood or not? And so they're asking questions that all we have are different theories or schools of thoughts. And, you know, you try to start explaining that and they lose interest halfway through because they're really just looking for, look, dinosaurs will not <laughs> help me out. Um, But not to belittle that because that's honestly the kind of heart posture that we should have is curiosity instead Mm -hmm. of doubt. Um, It's just the open-mindedness and that childlike faith of saying, look, I don't have to understand everything about God because something that we're investing in our lower school students is that you don't want a God that you can fully understand Mm -hmm. because then he wouldn't be God. Like if you can wrap your mind around him as a little human being, then he's not above us. He's not, you know, the king of the universe that he is truly so. We try to teach that in a way that's humbling to them. And even as we as teachers are always saying, you know, I'm, I'm quick to say, you know, nobody really knows that for sure, but here's what the Bible says about it. And then it starts the conversation, right, of what do we think about it. And um, there are just healthy ways to do that that keep kids open-minded and open-hearted, but firmly founded. And I think that's probably the best posture to be. If you can invest in that when they're in lower school, then by the time they get to middle school and upper school and those questions get a little bigger or a little more controversial or a little deeper about their own identity and some of the things going on in the world where the world is, you know, speaking more directly against biblical truths and values, then they'll at least know the process at that point of, wait a minute, like instead of just this versus this, there's probably a better way to go about it with a curiosity and an open-mindedness, but believing, bottom line, that there has to be an absolute source of truth. So that's what they're learning God's Word is, and that's why we're trying to invest in them scripture over just, you know, opinion. We're always careful to withhold opinion, but even in that, I would say, no, lower school students are not too young to start having doubts and curiosities, and what's really cool, I want to give a shout out to our Grid Lab teacher, uh, Miss Johnson, who um, is just incredible with tying in scripture seamlessly into everything that she's teaching in her class. But on top of that, she's getting kids into reading these awesome, the series of books called The Case for Christ, which started out, um, that's a book for adults about a journalist who is very skeptical. And so he set out on like this mission um, to prove that Christianity is not true and not real. And he was trying to do so like as a journalist through an investigative process, um, but ends up becoming rocked by it and finding out, wait a minute, this is actually, it's more likely that all of this is true and that the story of Christ and that scripture is all true and real. And so what's really cool is Lee Strobel, who wrote those books, actually adapted them into kids' versions. And it kind of takes a more like investigative, like mystery style where um, the kids feel like little investigators and they're getting to solve the mystery of all these different clues that point to biblical truths. Um, So that's showing them this process of like, if you have a doubt about something, what do you do with it? And I think the number one thing is stay curious and ask the people that know what they're talking about, which is the people that love God and that love scripture. Yeah. So that's what I would say for the lower school students is the curiosity. It's really cool to see when little kids have those kind of questions. And it's also very humbling for me, even as a pastor, whenever 
I get questions from our boys who are seven and I have to be like, oh, wow, that's a really good question. Let me look that up or let me do some more research on that. And Mm -hmm. so I say that to say like, it's my profession to be a pastor Mm -hmm. uh, and to be perceived to have all of the answers. And the uh, revelation is that I don't. Um, (laughs) And none of us have all of the answers. And so as parents, I want to encourage you that you don't have to have all the answers. But I think it's really important that one of our students come to us with these questions uh, that we're honest with them. And that we can generally be okay to say, you know what, buddy, that's a really good question. Let's look into that more together. Um, Or, hey, let me have some time before I get back to you on that. Um, And I think walking alongside our kids with their questions is a really good thing. And even whenever they're young and asking questions that seem silly and unrelated uh, will build a credibility and a measure of safety with our, with our kids mm-hmm. um, that will pay dividends whenever they're older, when they do have really big questions, but they see you as a safe person to go to, uh, that's not just going to shut down their questions with, oh, I don't want to answer that. Oh, that's not important. Then, oh, you should just pray about it. That'll be the answer. Uh, mm-hmm. That you're seen as a person that genuinely wants to walk alongside them. And I think that's a really key thing. Absolutely. I think I've seen it's kind of the wounds from students of uh, who have experienced responses in that way from just any adult in general of um, being told when they bring their doubts or questions to them and they're not asking even for the exact answer. But like you said, Taylor, like someone to help them process through how do we even find the answer to this? And I think oftentimes it's even like you were saying, Sam, it's not necessarily the exact answer that they're looking for. They are needing help in the process of what am I supposed to do when I get these questions? Because one day mom and dad aren't, aren't going to be at home when they're coming home from college. Like they're going to go from that professor back to their dorm room. And are they going to understand how do I search for truth rightly and have the discernment to recognize what is um what the process is supposed to look like. And so that's something that we can start equipping them with from a very young age. But I think what's damaging is, like you said, when they get the response of, hey, how about you just pray about it? Or, um, you know, I've even heard like, write down all of your questions and then pray over them and crinkle it and crinkle the piece of paper and throw it into the trash, like truly from students. And it's like, man, I hate, I just tell students like, I am so sorry that that's the response that that you were received, that you received from them. And, um, you know, how, like, let's even have a heart of understanding for the person that responded to you that way. Cause they may not have known what to do, but Hey, we serve a God that's not afraid of your questions that, um, he welcomes them because he can answer any of them. And so we as adults kind of get to be the display of that, of, Hey, I'm not fearful of a question that a student's going to bring to me. Like they could come ask me anything and it's not going to rock my faith or make me be like, huh, I've never thought about that. Maybe this is all a lie. And I think part of what they're looking for is that solidity that we have of, um, no, our, our roots are deep. And even if I don't have the answer to that question, it doesn't scare me, but instead I'm going to lean in with you and help you find it. Um, and so showing them, Hey, what does this process look like is even going to deepen your relationship with them. And like you said, they're, you're going to become a source that they're going to continue to come back to with questions. So Courtney, what do you think are some of the effects of having a culture where it's not okay for our students to have these questions and doubts? Like, what do you think are the fruits of that? I think one of the results that we see with students when they have experienced things like this is that um, they end up just having a very, very, very shallow faith. So if they don't take 
if, if they've kind of been shut down when they voice their doubts or questions or concerns, then that's where we see students start to believe that, hey, that's sin. So they're in their mindset, they're like, okay, if I have questions, I'm not supposed to be doubting. So I just need to stuff those down, put them under the rug, and that's sin. So I need to ignore it. And we've just met with seniors even and had to kind of like um, unroot some of that thinking and go back to, hey, what were those questions that you had? And let's explore those things because I think some of your like anxiety about the Lord or about the future or what's next or um, your like fear of addressing these things is what's keeping you actually from having a deep and rooted faith. Um, and so we don't want to send kids off, you know, having the shallow faith because they haven't taken the time um, or haven't been met with an approach of, hey, this isn't sinful. And instead, we can answer some of these things. And the things that we can't, we're going to look at God's character and gaze upon the beauty and the wonder of, like Sam was saying, they say to the lower school students, like, we serve a God that we can't fully understand, that he is infinite and we are finite. And so we can't possibly fully understand him. Um, but just having someone walk alongside that with them so that they can have um, just a deeper faith and foundation going into whatever they're going into next. And in recognizing this within our school and our culture and wanting to become even more so of a place where kids can come with questions and see the world and how we're supposed to live is that we've even reworked and have worked for the last year with Miss Kathy Hall in trying to figure out what to do with our Bible classes that'll help in this. And Mm -hmm. so in the past, we've had uh, CHUM, which is Christian Humanities, uh, to be senior year where they uh, see culture of our current day and age and how we respond in that with biblical truth. Um, And then we've actually moved that back to junior year so that we can start having these questions and conversations uh, regarding culture and engagement and that they'll be able to actually be on campus for two years and wrestling through this with us. Mm -hmm. Um, And then also we've kind of created a mini Christian humanities for eighth grade students as well. That even in middle school, we know that there are big questions and things that they're being confronted by um, in the world. And we want to step in with God's truth and point them uh, to the reality that God really has made these things and how they're able to work and how they're supposed to operate. Yeah, it's been an exciting change for Liberty. I'm eager to see just the way that it affects our student body and how it will also lead into freshman and sophomore Bible. You know, I think it's going to be a really beautiful um, way for our students to process these things. And so in closing with this culture of inquiry of wanting our students and even our staff and all of our families to be able to uh, think through their faith, to have these questions and know that at the end of the road, it leads to a deeper relationship with the Lord. Uh, We see even the establishment of the people of Israel, um, that the man Jacob uh, was named Israel after he Mm -hmm. had wrestled with God. Literally, the name Israel means wrestle with God. God. Mm-hmm. And that's an amazing thing. And so what we see there is as the people of God, we were we are known as people who wrestle with the Lord, uh, that he is a, um, a source of questions and trying to figure out like, why would he make it this way? Because he is so high and so unsearchable and unknowable, but he has led us into who he is through his word that we can seek after that and seek that truth. And I think a beautiful reminder um, of this is whenever we're approaching these conversations and doubts about the Lord, uh, we see at the end of Romans in chapter 11, this is verse 33 through 36, and it says, Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable his judgments, his paths beyond tracing out, who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? who has ever given to God that God should repay him. And this is a huge thing here. For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him 
be the glory forever. Amen. And so we can look at the Word of God in Romans uh, chapter 11, verse 36, and we can see that everything in creation points to God because it's from him, it's through him, it's for him. And so even with our questions in philosophy and in science and social and just observing the world, we can know that the questions we have and our students have, when we get to the end of that question, if Romans is true, then the answer to that question is God. Mm -hmm. And these questions and doubts that we have will lead to him a deeper understanding and a deeper love for him. That will change how we live in a much sweeter way that he's created us to be. One thing that the three of us love as people with pastor's hearts who genuinely love the Lord Jesus Christ and love your children, our students, um, the people that God somehow calls us worthy to partner with you and to minister to and to show the reality of his goodness and his truth and his love um, is that we have the privilege to create a safe place to struggle. Um, And that's like a little phrase that's not too uncommon, but here at Liberty Christian School, I truly feel that that's being lived out every day. And that's something that the students notice. If we were to tell them like, hey, this is a safe place to struggle, I think that more often than not, students would nod in agreement to that and be like, yeah, I get that. Um, And it's because of the relationships that we've developed with them to show them that it's a safe place to struggle, that we're not gonna judge them, that they could tell us anything, whether it's confessing something they've done, whether it's admitting, you know, hey, I've gone through something really difficult or painful in my life and it's causing me to doubt, does God actually care or love me or is he really even there and listening? And you can do the same thing, Mm -hmm. absolutely. In fact, you have more of a place in their heart as their parents and as the people that are their primary disciples to show them that you are a safe place for them to go for questions. And man, if there's just one last thing we want to impart, it's don't be afraid of humility, but in fact, seek it out because the best answer to any question about God, especially the ones that you're like, oh, I have no clue. The best thing to say is, I'm not sure, but let's find out together. And that act of humility creates an open space where they feel safe to ask you about more and continue asking you. So we just encourage you guys to do that. Keep loving your kids well, and we're committing to you that we're going to do the same and figure this all out together because we know ultimately we're not going to have all the answers until we get to the kingdom. And then I will be first in line because I have lots of questions (laughs) for the Lord, but we're figuring this out together. So give each other grace as we all struggle with our doubts and just know that your students um, have a safe place to struggle with those thoughts and questions here at Liberty as we develop this culture of inquiry, 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 this colored inquiry, inquiry, no. No. You said no. It's inquiry. 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 It's inquiring. Inquiry. Acquiring. Inquiry. Anyways, thanks for listening. We love y'all so much. And we will be back soon with another episode. Take care. Thanks for joining us on the SLT podcast. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to contact us at spirituallife at mylcs.com.